Thanks for listening to this OCRFM podcast. Head to ocrfm.org.au to find more great content and information about how to donate and support this community radio station. Good afternoon and welcome to LOL Radio on OCRFM 98.3 across Colacan District, 88.7 FM along the coast and streaming online at ocrfm.org.au. Happy New Year. Welcome to our first show for 2024, which uh, sounds very strange to be saying out loud. Uh, Now, fun fact, I'm not actually here at the moment. I am in New Zealand Uh, So tonight, if you've been following on our uh, LOL Radio socials, you'll know that we are having a New Zealand comedy special. So you're going to be hearing from a heap of uh, Kiwi comics tonight on the show. Plus, there's a few Aussies in there that are uh, doing their their best to uh, support Kiwi comedy. So without further ado, we will uh, pass the torch to the godfather of New Zealand comedy, John Clark as his character Fred Dag to open up the show tonight with a classic called We Don't Know How Lucky We Are. At the dawn of the day in the great southern ocean when the world's greatest fish was being landed and the boat they were pulling it into was sinking the sea was quite lumpy and the weather was foul and the bloke with the map was as pissed as an owl and the boys called out, Maui, you clown, let it go. In the noise, he reached down for his grandmother's jawbone and he winked at his mates and said, Boys, we don't know how lucky we are. I have a feeling I have stumbled on something substantial. We don't know how lucky we are. We don't know how lucky we are. I was speaking to a mate the other day. A guy called Bruce Bayless, actually, who uh, lives up our way. He's been away on around the world 8th Army do for a year, more or less. I said, describe the global position, Bruce. He said, Fred, it's a mess. We don't know how lucky we are in this country. We don't know how lucky we are. We don't know how lucky we are. We don't know how lucky we are. There's a guy I town. I see him about once a year, I suppose. He's had a coronary since Easter. He's got a hemorrhage in his ear. He went bankrupt a couple of weeks back, and now his wife's left him too. I said, you're looking odd, mate. You're looking queer. What are you going to do? He said, we don't know how lucky we are to live in this joint, Fred. We don't know how lucky we are, he repeated. We don't know how lucky we are. We don't know how lucky Things are looking really bad, and you're thinking of giving it away. Remember, New Zealand's a cracker, and I reckon, come what may, if things get appallingly bad and we're all under constant attack, remember we want to see good, clean ball, and for God's sake, feed your backs. We don't know how fortunate we are to have that place. We don't know how propitious are the circumstances, Frederick. We don't know how lucky we are, mate. We don't know how lucky we are. 
The new Prime Minister of New Zealand is a woman. Tragically, she is still a New Zealander. <laughs> now, Jim Bolger, the previous New Zealand Prime Minister, was replaced in a coup while he was out of the country at a conference. I thought that only happened in backward third world countries. <laughs> the news came as such a shock to Deputy Prime Minister Winston Peters, he announced he was going down the pub. When he was told he was already down the pub, he thumped the reporter for asking trick questions. <laughs> People can't help but point and laugh When I proudly show them his photograph They stare at his obsolete wings They don't appreciate the songs that he sings They joke that his pokey proboscis Must get in the way when we kiss But I don't listen, I can take their flack it's like water off a flightless bird's back For he is the one who completes me My six foot four kiwi <laughs> He may not have the voice of a liar bird He may not have the strength of a cock He may have a primitive avian brain But as everyone knows, he knows loads about rock and when people that we meet in the street want to know what his name is He says, hello, I'm Alan, bro He's my immigrant endangered species My six foot four kiwi yeah. He's everything a national emblem should be If he was a fruit, he'd be green and fuzzy He should have his own TV series my six foot four kiwi He's really tall and he's from New Zealand <laughs> G'day, you're back with the Tim and Phil Morning Show That was Danny Minogue with This Is It Did you like that, Phil? Yes, Tim, it was choice I agree, it was choice And now, time for one of our patented Tim and Phil wacky phone calls Brought to you by Choicer Tea Bags in Delicious Slim Jims, the biscuit with the thin bit of mint filling. Today, we're calling up the Missing Individuals Information Hotline to make an inquiry, but with a twist. Phil? That's right. Instead of inquiring after a missing individual, we're going to ask if they've seen Tim's missing jandals. Shh, shh, this should be fun. Hello? Missing Individuals Information Hotline? This is Sid speaking. Hello, Sid. Have you had any inquiries about jandals? No. Haven't you? No. Are you sure? Yes. Why would we? A missing individual is an individual that has disappeared, while a jandal is a comfy bit of casual footwear. Ah. Sorry, Sid. Our mistake. Bye. Goodbye. Well, Tim, we got him a beauty. We sure did, Phil. He never suspected for a minute that we were taking the puss. It was choice. I agree. It was choice. But now it's time to introduce our special guest, visiting us for the sixth time since his impressive electoral victory. It's the Prime Minister, Jim Bulger. Hello, Jim. Hello, Tim. Hello, Jim. Hello, Phil. Tell us, Jim, how was your visit to Invercargill? It was choice. Excellent. Thanks for dropping in. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Phil. And now, with thanks to Lemon and Pyro Fizzy Drink, it's time for Community Billboard, Phil. This weekend, 
All Black Captain William Colsyth will be in attendance at the first annual fun run for racial stability, which kicks off right opposite the recently disfigured statue of Abel Tasman in Smith Street, New Plymouth. It promises to be choice. I agree, Phil. And now, more music. It's Thin Lizzy with Colour on the Loose. That there is uh, from the Martin Malloy album Tum and Full. Uh, you will be hearing from Tim and Phil a couple more times throughout the show tonight. Um, but uh, yeah, one of uh, New Zealand's great comedy exports, Tony Martin, loves it so much here that uh, he's been here probably longer than he lived in New Zealand. Uh, Tim Minchin in before that, another uh, Tum, <laughs> with the Alan Bro song from Speaks and Specs, Six Foot for Kiwi. Uh, a short one from Paul McDermott, an old uh, Good Newsweek clip uh, talking about the new New Zealand Prime Minister at the time. And to kick the show off, we had John Clark as his iconic New Zealand farmer character, Fred Dagg, with We Don't Know How Lucky We Are. So I hope you're enjoying all the uh, New Zealand comedy. Well, there's more of that coming up after our YouTube review after this break. <music> It is time on LOL Radio for our YouTube review where we look on the moving pictures internet and find a funny clip to share with you tonight. Uh, I still don't know whether this is racist or not, (laughs) but it's um, a look at the New Zealand accent. Now, we we think it's funny that uh, New Zealanders pronounce their vowel sounds differently to other English-speaking countries, but none more so than Graham Norton, who has a segment on his chat show where he gets people from his audience to sit in his big red chair and uh, tell a story. And if it's entertaining, they get to walk free. If not, they get dumped (laughs) backwards and flung into obscurity. But there are several times, and they've made a compilation of this, where he has had New Zealanders uh, telling their story and he struggles to keep up with their accent. Some of the stories are very, very funny. And I think because Australians have a similar style accent, it's easier for us to comprehend what is being spoken by the, the Kiwis in their tales as they're telling them. But, uh, yeah, there's uh, plenty of times where it's just Graham laughing at the fact that um, their, their words sound funny. So we're going to post that up on the LOL Radio Facebook page. For you to have a giggle at as well. And again, as I said, this is uh, light-hearted fun. Definitely nothing racist about this at all. This is the Scared We Little Guys. We'll be taking you on a little journey tonight through our past travels and some of our stories, including one time we'd like to share with you now when we were in, on a trip to New Zealand. And one day... Fantastic. Thank you very much. Could you leave, please? Yes. <laughs> please stay. Security. Anyway... We thought we'd take the afternoon off one day and drive into the countryside and soak up a bit of the nature and the wonder yeah. that is the natural marvel of New Zealand. And we walked up this beach and we met this old guy who was sitting on some rocks gazing at the ocean. And we spoke to him about the history of his people and the culture of his country. And he taught us a traditional New Zealand folk song. What was his name? Luigi. Luigi, that's right, yes. 
He was a backpacker from Italy that was there. But anyway, he knew lots of New Zealand and its ways. And he taught us this song, and we'd like to sing it as a tribute to that guy up there. Oh, give me 50 socks, but fashion chops. I haven't sold that since 1966. That's a bit rich if you kiss me on the lips. I'll hit you with my fist if you give me the shots. Amen. I take it we have a New Zealander in the house, do we? <laughs> yes, uh, more than one. We're sorry if anyone's offended by that song, uh, sir, but face it, shut hippens. All right? Yeah. Oh, the hippens is definitely shut. You shut it? Yeah, well, it's going to pass down later. Ah. The rain just comes pouring on. I've got a pretty uh, strong command of the English language. You would agree with this. Yes, you're better. Anyway. <laughs> Yes, because typically blackfellas have a penchant for not using words like penchant. Uh, those of you who laughed, thank you for reading. Uh, those of you who didn't, you can Google the definition afterwards. I've got jokes to tell, okay? Yeah, because yeah, I, I say it in the French way, you know, the way it's uh, meant to be pronounced, not how it's spelt. Because if I said it the way it was spelt, you'd look at me and go, I don't know what he's talking about. Hey, my auntie's on the penchant anyway. It's, it's, it's strange, I know. So here's the deal, right? The point is you should never make assumptions, right? So for example, I've just said a very uh, complicated French word to some of you, probably those of you who are from Frankston, but, uh, <laughs> but the thing is, I am a complicated person, but I'm not actually French. I'm an Islander boy, and uh, the only French part of me is my tongue. <laughs> um, <clears throat> just remember, the queen waves like this, a far north queen does this. <laughs> Oh uh, yes, never make assumptions, right? Like I that's the thing. I'm I'm interested in everybody. I love everybody. I give love usually for free. And the thing that I want to point out to you is that I'm just a black finger looking for the right ring, honestly. <laughs> Speaking of rings, you probably have no idea that I am a hardcore Lord of the Rings fan. Oh, I love that stuff. Cool, the three people who read. Cool. Um <clears throat> So here's the deal. I reckon Gandalf should have been a black fella. For three very specific reasons. One, he arrives late. Two, <laughs> two, Bilbo says he's got the best weed. Hello. And three, <laughs> and three, I'm sorry to all of the melaninly challenged in the room, but uh, none of you could navigate that much open territory without a map. <laughs> Here's the thing. I reckon... Because they filmed it in New Zealand, Gandalf should have been a Kiwi. Now, how cool would that have been to have a Maori Gandalf? The problem is, the Kiwi accent is so happy and jovial that it would just undercut every serious moment in the film. So when he's holding on to the clutch of Moria before he falls into the fiery chasm, you know, Frodo's like, Gandalf, no! And sure enough, get you fellas later. <laughs> I'll see you in Rivendell for the Hungry Brew. Frodo, <laughs> Kiora, my hobbit brethren, <laughs> we're going to take this freaky ring and drop it into a volcano. Want to come? <laughs> Frodo, don't wear the ring. I know it's very tempting. 
Yes, you will appear to disappear But the dark riders, they'll know you're there Yes, Lord Sauron has many spies Many spies have many eyes One ring to find them, one to find them One ring to rule them all, one ring to find them, one to find them One ring to rule them all, yeah, 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 yeah. You've got to rule them, rule them, rule them with me If you want him, come and claim him. Are you not a conjurer of cheap tricks? The fires of Mordor. Do they, Gandalf? Quickly, hide! Run, Sam Ganji! Run! We have to get away from them. There's too many of them. We'll never make it. We made it. Hooray! <laughs> Gandalf, my old friend, I like what you've done with your beard. <laughs> You have my sword. And my bow. And my axe. Yo Frodo, what you doing wearing the ring? All powerful jewelry, is that your new thing? I know it's hard when you're little more three foot four, little ass so close the floor. Trying to lead the fellows through the gates of Mordor, the fellowship. Yeah, the fellowship. Ah, don't rap about bitches and hoes, I rap about witches and trolls. I'm passing on the words of the elven king. Wisdom to all, Frodo, don't wear the ring. Frodo, don't wear the ring. You'll never be the Lord of the Rings Dwarfs, elves, human beings Don't know what it is, it's a Lord of the Rings Hello So I have been with my beautiful husband for 20 years now And he is the love of my life And a beautiful dad and a great partner But for the first 18 years of our relationship He said supposedly <laughs> And every time I picked him up on it And I picked him up on it every time Because that is a charming trait to have as a wife He'd say, no, 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 I said supposedly. But our son is finally old enough to pick him up on it as well. And under our two-pronged attack, he's crumbled and he's admitted he was saying supposedly all along. <laughs> Gaslit me for 18 years. <laughs> but now he's so paranoid about getting it wrong, this is what he says instead. It could be supposed. <laughs> and now I live with a fucking professor. <laughs> it's like every conversation is suddenly a philosophical discussion. What time is the tradie coming tomorrow? Eight o'clock, it could be supposed. <laughs> ah, marvellous, we've got Schrodinger's plumber. <laughs> He's also quite cavalier about his use of the word too. Doesn't mind which one he gets, just uses them randomly. He spells lose with two O's. Hey, back off, he's fucking lovely. <laughs> but I keep saying to him, darling, it's really important to get it right because there's a big difference between I've got nothing to lose and I've got nothing to lose. Because at my age, it just sounds like I'm showing off. <laughs> I said that the other night, and the guy in the front row went, no, hang on, how many kids have you had? <laughs> I know, I was like, oh, great. It's suddenly gone from a cute little word joke that I made to me discussing the state of my vagina <laughs> with a complete stranger. And I don't normally do that. And if I do, it costs $200, and it's quite hard to get an appointment. <laughs> Our son is at high school now. He's just turned Lynx Africa. I've never been to Africa and I've never sniffed a lynx but I'm willing to bet that neither of them smell that chemical 
Like, he'll put it on in the bedroom, and a couple of minutes later in the kitchen, the cats just start acting a bit weird. It's just... <laughs> My son's very good at making me feel old, but he is not as good as TikTok at making me feel old. I'm on TikTok. Uh, if you are not on TikTok, you are leading full, rewarding lives. <laughs> My cats, uh, my two cats are doing quite well on TikTok, which is a, a real sentence. Uh, so well, in fact, uh, I've been asked to be an ambassador for the Cat Protection Society. And I know that thrills me, and you're all going, well, that's a hoarding situation. Uh, it's not, although I did visit their facilities, and now we have three cats. Um, and I don't know whether you know this, but two cats is two cats, and three cats is a fuckload of cats. We just have so many cats. Uh, and, and if you are a cat owner in the audience, is it possible for you to keep your cat off the bench? No, it's impossible. They're up there all the time. I hate it. But whenever we have someone over for dinner and one of them gets up there, I go, oh, well, he's never done that before. <laughs> we spend a long time choosing a name for the new cat. It was very difficult because my son insisted that it have an aquatic theme, like our other two cats, Pirate and Barnacle. He goes, what about Finn? I said, no, we can't call it Finn. I know a child called Finn. What about anchovy? And he said, no, I know a child called anchovy. <laughs> I said, I've raised you too well, my friend. Touche. So in the end, we decided she's so clingy and has such a powerful bite, we've called her Lynx Africa. <laughs> Thanks so much. I've been Kel Wilson. Good night. Bittersweet there. That is Cal Wilson from the most recent Melbourne International Comedy Festival Gala. And, of course, sadly uh, passed away late last year. But uh, an iconic New Zealand comedian once described in her uh, opening at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival as the world's largest Pokemon. Flight of the Concords with Lord of the Rings coming off the back of Jay Wyamara, an uh, Indigenous Australian comedian, with his proposal for how the Lord of the Rings should have sounded, given that it was shot in New Zealand. And the New Zealand folk ballad from the Scared Weird Little Guys. I promise from here on in, it should pretty much be just New Zealand comics now. I've uh, run out of people poking fun at New Zealanders. It's time for them to do it themselves. We'll be back after this to investigate the weird wide world, so don't go anywhere. It's time to investigate the weird, wide world, and considering tonight is all about New Zealand, we, of course, are looking at the land of the long white cloud, and uh, this is from the NewZealandPocketGuide.com, where they have come up with a list of strange, quirky things that New Zealand has to uh, be proud about. Now, the first one on their list is the obsession with big things. But I would say Australia has just as many, if not more. So New Zealand towns like to make their presence known by having large sculptures of various kitsch sort of things. There is a giant kiwi fruit, a giant kiwi bird, and then the giant soft drink bottle in uh, Pairoa, which is of their L&P, uh, a famous drink export. But there are 22 big things in New Zealand. How many does Australia have? 
More than 150. So uh, first thing on this list, I am, I'm debunking. Um, but these are, of course, strange things in New Zealand. So next on the list, there is a railway line that passes through an airport landing strip. Now, New Zealand isn't exactly pushed for space when it comes to public transport, but they still decided to build a railway line right through the middle of an airport runway. It is the Palmerston-North Gisborne Railway Line. It runs through the Gisborne Airport. In fact, steam train tourist trips take place a few times a month on the railway line around where planes are landing. Pretty pretty strange. Um, in New Zealand, uh, you are encouraged to run over possums. Now, that sounds awful, but they are considered a pest in New Zealand. So similar to the cane toads in Queensland... Whilst possums are a protected species in Australia, they were introduced to New Zealand for the fur trade in 1987, and since then their population has boomed to the point where they're chomping through about 20,000 tonnes of vegetation a night, and it's destroying the ecosystem of native birds. There's no natural predators in New Zealand, and so they're struggling to keep the numbers under um, something manageable. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if that's the sort of thing that I'll be getting up to in uh, <laughs> New Zealand while I'm here. Um, you can watch rockets launch into space at a spot at Hawke's Bay. Um, so if you want to watch a, a, a rocket launch, you can go and set up on the beach and check it all out. New Zealand is also the home to the world's longest place name. If you have to uh, send birthday cards there, you would need to send it to Tawamawaka Tangihing Ala Kohotomata Tapokai Awenaki Atana Hahu. 85 letters long, and that's the one and only time I'm going to try and say that out loud. <laughs> but the, uh, the street signs for it are pretty massive. They do have some other funny uh, New Zealand place names as well, similar to the strange ones that we have in Australia and, of course, all around the world. But uh, some of the, the, the funnier New Zealand place names are Waka Papa, um, Waka Horo, of course, uh, Hump Ridge Track or Hooker Valley. Perhaps you want to go to Waipu um, or <laughs> uh, Take a Curry River. Um, Mount Tawira, that doesn't sound as crazy. Maybe Shag Point would be the place you want to go. Or uh, Cape Foul Wind. All, all places that could be on your New Zealand tourist map. Um, if you go to the Southland, on the, uh, the region of the Southland uh, in New Zealand, you will literally see the southernmost of everything. So... You can stand on the edge of this south point and you are 4,800 kilometres from the South Pole, uh, 5,000 kilometres from the equator, and everywhere around you will be the southernmost point <laughs> entirely. Um, there is an official wizard in New Zealand. In 1990, the Prime Minister of New Zealand appointed Ian Brackbury Channel as the official wizard of New Zealand. So the pointy-hatted, robe-wearing, bearded wizard has a history of politics and entertainment in Christchurch and uh, can often be seen with a young apprentice at major events throughout the year. But uh, finally, uh, in our strange list of weird New Zealand facts, uh, 
The New Zealand badminton team was once called the Black Cocks, but as you can imagine, they were uh, coming <laughs> a bit too strong with that name. So the gimmicky publicity stunt was uh, to attract sponsors' interest, but after a year, they had to scrap the name. There you go. So that is uh, going up on the LOL Radio Facebook page if you want to have a giggle. If you've got some strange facts about New Zealand, I'd love to uh, have you share them on the Facebook page as well. Time to uh, change the pace up now. And as I said, from here on in, we are all New Zealand comedy from New Zealand comedians. And uh, we're going to have the Brothers Williams um, bookending either of these two sets. So for anyone who's watched Taskmaster New Zealand, you will know that Paul Williams plays the role of the Taskmaster's assistant. And it wasn't until I saw this next comedian at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival that I realised that he is his brother. (laughs) So there are two New Zealand comedians who are brothers, and they're both very, very funny. But uh, first up, we have Guy Williams talking about why comedians are creepy. It is so nice to be here. Oh, it's amazing. You know, COVID-19 has been a real roller coaster for all of New Zealand, and considering we only have one roller coaster in New Zealand... (laughs) It's actually been a real treat, to be honest. It's been a real wild ride. This is honestly the best job in the world. I love this so much, you know? Because it can't go wrong. People are like, Guy, what if no one laughs? I don't give a shit. People pay at the start of the show, not the end. And people are like, Guy, imagine doing an entire one-hour show and getting no laughs for the entire show. I'm like, I don't have to imagine that. I did that in Christchurch last week. It was sweet ass. I'm a mediocre white man. I can talk confidently for an hour with no laughs. I just pretend I'm doing a podcast. I can travel the entire New Zealand just bombing in every town in New Zealand. And people are like, Guy, but what happens when you've used up every town in New Zealand? I'm like, fuck it, I'll just move to Australia and start bombing there. Shit, the Warriors have been doing it for 25 years. Why can't I, you know? But it's, yeah, I've got to be honest with you, I'm kind of losing faith in comedy a little bit, you know? I used to love, I used to worship comedians, I used to think comedy was like a religion. My honest dream, and this is embarrassing to uh, admit, was to open a comedy club in Wellington, I wanted to call it um, The Church. Because, you know, because my favourite comedians, they were like the disciples or the apostles, and the comedians were like the priests. And unfortunately, I had to give up on my dream because all my favourite comedians got arrested on some sort of like horrific sex crimes, much like the actual church I grew up in. And it's weird because it's comedians. And it's like when it was like rugby league players, we were making all the jokes. And when it was um, priests, we'd be doing all the gags. But it's because comedians were just kind of staying hush about it, eh? We're just trying to pretend everything's normal, trying to ignore it. We're up here like, wow, um, Jetstar's pretty weird. Hamilton's a bit shit. <laughs> Women complain a lot. That's a classic stand-up bit. At least now we know why. We're like, have you ever noticed how women complain a lot? And women are like, it's because you're awful. And we're like, where's your evidence? And they're like, here's our evidence. And we're like, oh shit, that's quite a lot. (laughs) It's the craziest thing. And dudes are attacking me online. They're like, oh, you're just jealous of Louis C.K. because he's a better comedian than you. Yeah, so is Bill Cosby. (laughs) 
Wake up! <laughs> oh, thank you. A couple of people going with me. The vast majority are like, shut up about this guy. I'm serious. All my heroes have let me down. Honestly, Bill Cosby was my favourite comedian growing up. You know? Michael Jackson was my favourite singer. Woody Allen was my favourite director. You know? Harvey Weinstein was my favourite film producer. Jeffrey Epstein was my favourite international pedophile. Jared from Subway was my favourite Jared from Subway. All my heroes have let me down. It's gutting, eh? You know? And it's weird, because even the comedians who haven't been accused of anything are, like, creeping me out now. I think the comedy hides the creepiness, you know? Even Russell Brand, you know? When he was on MTV, everyone thought he was sexy as hell. But if you saw that lanky pirate freak coming towards you in the pack and save, <laughs> you'd be ducking behind the Energizer battery centre, eh? That's the scariest guy I've ever seen in my life. The first Johnny Depp impersonator to somehow be creepier than Johnny Depp. We've been a lot of places around the world. Really? Uh, we've been to Wellington, Auckland. I think the thing we like most in all these places is the ladies. Yeah, it's the ladies. That's right. And, yeah. Uh, we just want to give give you something back, ladies. Yeah. Just uh, do something special for all the ladies of the world. Yeah. Okay. About time, eh? So. I just wanna do something special for all of the ladies in the world. So wanna do something special for all the ladies in the world and the girls. So don't forget them girls. Just wanna do something special for all the ladies in the world. I want around the world. Parisian. Have a 
vision and all I can see Is all of you with the all of me In a world of peace and harmony Where every lady gets a little piece of me I've been to Paris, to Oakland, to Amsterdam And when bad mercy, thank you, Donka, ma'am So don't care if you're ugly or you're skanky or you're small I just wanna do a little something special for you All the ladies in the world Personal, so stop asking. Um, what else could I tell you about myself? Um, I'm a straight woman by trade. Uh, <laughs> that's me. Uh, <laughs> it is, and it's absolutely devastating, to be honest, uh, because it's the it's the worst of all of them. Uh, <laughs> if you know what I mean, it's the worst gender sexuality combination I think you can get. Right? It's the one that kind of reflects the poorest decision making skills. <laughs> out there, doesn't it? Because what it means to be a straight woman, what that means is that given all of the options in the world, we still went for dudes. What is up? What? What? What are we doing? No. Especially, what kind of, like, how do we defend that choice, especially at a time like this, 2019? Tough year to be a straight woman. Oh my God. Tough gig. Tough gig for the ladies. Turns out, you, boys, you're no good. You're no good. But <laughs> congratulations, though. You, re- you did nearly get away with it. So close. Uh, we, we got you in the end. Uh, <laughs> but I've got, a lot of, uh, I've got a lot of, you know, straight male friends because I am an ally. And they say to me, they're like, they're, it's quite hard to defend being like a straight man at a time like this. Do you know what's harder? Being a straight woman, given what we know about you now, okay? <laughs> Do you know what it feels like to be to still like dudes in 2019? It's, it almost feels like trying to recommend a restaurant that has given you food poisoning eight times, okay? <laughs> That's what it feels like. <laughs> you, t- you tell your friends to go. You're like, no, 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 just go. Just make up your own mind. Okay, they're great. They're great. Not all restaurants, okay? Don't go online. Don't go on Yelp, okay? Just make up your own mind, right? But uh, I do. I still love men. I love to kiss them. Uh, I love them. I, uh, I've kissed nine men in my life, um, and they're all here tonight. Come on out, boys. <laughs> no, that'd be, imagine that. That'd be quite cool. It'd be good to see them again. Uh, uh, but I have, and I thought nine men, single digits, single digits for the gal, pretty good. I thought that was an okay number, but it is surprisingly, surprisingly low. Surprisingly is not a word, right? <laughs> It is surprisingly low considering the fact that I've literally never rejected anyone in my life. (laughs) I run a very open home policy when it comes to that sort of stuff. I'm like, you know, shoes on, shoes off, that's fine. You know, leave your name and number if you're interested. Uh, And I think though, I I love men. And I think my problem though is that I think I'm so, I'm very easily impressed by men, okay? My my standards are alarmingly low. That's a quote. Uh, (laughs) And it's a problem because I think I'm, like if a man can show a moderate level of skill, in literally anything, sign me up. Honest to God. Like, if a guy, if a man can, like, fix a flat tire, if a man, like, I see, like, a man, like, leaf blowing or something like that. If, if a guy can fold a fitted bed sheet. Be- bellissimo. You know what I mean? I, 
I genuinely think that men with their lives together could be quite a popular porn category. I think they could, <laughs> could go off. We should email someone about that, right? It's true. And I, I, yeah, I do think that straightness, being, me being straight, is purely a symptom of low self-esteem, uh, <laughs> which is true. And I have low self-esteem. I'm fine with that. I think I've got like the, the perfect level of self-confidence as an adult woman, right? And that confidence is, it's very specific, but some of you might know what I'm talking about. I have the confidence to measure a length between the two tips of my index fingers and then travel... With that measurement to the other side of a room and believe that that will be at all accurate at the end, right? That is all the confidence. It's all the confidence you need. Raindrops keep falling and damp clothes will dry. But I need some sunshine
That there was a tune called Surf Music by Paul Williams, the Taskmaster's assistant for uh, Taskmaster New Zealand. We kicked off that set with his brother Guy Williams talking about why comedians are creepy, followed on by Flight of the Concords with Something for the Ladies. Nothing creepy about that at all. And Rose Matafeo, a straight woman, just realised Flight of the Concords out of that lineup are the only ones who haven't been on a, a Taskmaster uh, version. A lot of the uh, acts that you will hear from tonight on the show have been in New Zealand Taskmaster as well. Um, coming up, we've got Reese Darby and Ursula Carlson, Mel Bracewell, Guy Montgomery, Chris Parker, Ray O'Leary. Actually, majority of the uh, the acts have all been on the New Zealand version of Taskmaster, which I highly recommend. We'll be back after this short break to check out the LOL Radio Comedy Gig Guide. <laughs> It is time to check out the LOL Radio Comedy Gig Guide, which is a bit quiet uh, at the moment, Um, but uh, we've got a few things you can book tickets to in the not-too-distant future. Everyone's getting ready for comedy festival season, so there's lots of trial shows popping up around the place. If you check out a lot of the regular comedy rooms in Melbourne... Uh, such as Comedy Republic or Basement Comedy, um, then there'll be yeah lots of lots of people trying out their gear, getting ready for the upcoming Melbourne International Comedy Festival, which is only a couple of months away. Um, but that said, there are some tours happening uh, in early February. Um, we've got Nurse Georgie Carroll will be at the Lighthouse Theatre on Friday the second of February with her show Sister Flow Two the following night, she'll be in Ballarat. So uh, if you're around southwest Victoria, check it out. Then later in February, Russell Howard is going to be touring around. He'll be at the Palais Theatre in Melbourne on the 21st of February. Or uh, 2nd of March, he will be at Costa Hall in Geelong. So if you're a fan of Russell's work, get along. Then there's tickets out now for the Melbourne International Comedy Festival if you head to comedyfestival.com.au. Lots and lots of tickets are on sale for big names and lesser-known names, some you may have not heard of before, but they will become your favourite comedian. Um, You just haven't seen their show yet. Uh, Some of the ones that we've already got up on the LOL Radio Facebook page, uh, we've got Geraldine Quinn. She's doing a a brand-new show called... The Passion of St. Nicholas, um, Aaron Chen has Funny Garden, and Jamoan is asking the question, who's your man? So uh, they're just some of many Melbourne International Comedy Festival shows. There's, of course, the gala and um, lots of uh, Melbourne International Comedy Festival specific shows, the great debate, upfront, that sort of thing. They're all on sale now at the moment as well. So check it out, head to the LOL Radio Facebook page, click on events, and all the details are there. If you're looking well into the future, we've also got dates up for uh, Jimmy Reese at Costa Hall in June, Kitty Flanagan in Melbourne in August, and uh, also Dawn French doing a tour around Australia as well. So all those details and more if you head to the LOL Radio Facebook page. Click on the events tab, and that's where it's at. 
Now it's time for us to send our gag pod back in time, and we're going to hear from John Clark as uh, his character Fred Dag talking about his memoir. Come with us now on a journey through time and space. Well, it's good to be here. Have uh, we got any trivs out there tonight? That's more than usual. Uh, I don't know whether you know this, but I've been sent down here on a kind of exchange program I got running with the government. Uh, They've sent me down. uh, In exchange for a couple of times, I've sent them up. Uh, And they've asked me to look at a couple of things, nothing special, uh, just minor budgetary measures and a couple of things that'll probably scare the poo out of us in about September. And one other thing, the uh, Prime Minister's thinking of uh, closing Parliament down altogether and running the country from the East Tamaki Women's Bowling Club. <coughs> I, uh... Shouldn't imagine anything else will change very much. There'll be the usual amount of bias and quite a lot of balls. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I saw him the other day, the Prime Minister, uh, Mr Robert Muldoon, well-known gross national product. <laughs> he was looking uh, pretty pleased with himself. He'd just been awarded the best dressed man of the year, Max Cryer. <laughs> I think he was thinking of using him as a tall boy. <laughs> anyway, he was up our way. He was doing a bit of research into uh, taxation, he reckoned. He said, what do you got on the place? I said, I've got uh, 10,000 sheep, two lots of 5,000. Uh, I've got 10,000 cattle, five lots of two. Uh, I've got 19 horses, 17 goats, 16, uh, 16 ducks, seven trevors, an old shedder and a partridge up a pear tree at the present point of time. He said, uh, well, the tax bill on that, mate, comes to around about a zillion. So I thought, I'd better get hold of some dough from somewhere. So I come up with the idea of writing an autobiography. Uh, first problem that cropped up was, of course, who to write about. Uh, you can't just knock them out about anybody. Uh, and then I thought, well, maybe I should write it about myself. Uh, I'm certainly the most fascinated person in our area, with the possible exception of Bruce Bayless, and he can't write. Uh, no threat there. And I got all the gear up home, of course. I got a uh, typewriter I made out of an old combine harvester. And I got a couple of hundred thousand IR5s I got no use for. Next problem that cropped up was where to start. Uh, then maybe I thought I'd uh, start with getting born. See, and that was the way things actually happened. But the old memory, she's a bit hazy on that particular period. And so I went down to the hospital and I looked up the records and all it said in the records was, uh, what did it say? It said, 3am, uh, uh, the lady in the gumboots in Ward 14 had a baby. <laughs> and then uh, underneath that, the doctor had written, uh, at least we think it's a baby. <laughs> And underneath that, it said uh, she tucked the baby down a gumboot and left the hospital in a tractor. <laughs> Pretty quiet day the next day. Didn't say much for the next day. It just said, uh, no births today. Caretaker reports loss of tractor during the night. <laughs> Not a bad little tractor either. We had it for years. Ran on polio vaccine. <laughs> so maybe I thought, well, I won't start there. So maybe I thought I'd start with going to school. But then I thought, well, that's perhaps a disastrous place to start. I remembered thinking that at the time. 
Uh, first day I was there, the teacher said to me, what's one and one? I thought to myself, uh, uh, two, roughly. She said, yeah, very good, young bag. Uh, what's two and two? I thought to myself, uh, uh, four, give or take a bit here and there. She said, yeah, what's four and four? I thought to myself, uh, and I gave the answer I always gave when I wasn't too sure about the nature of the question. I said, uh, 70-12. She said, no, if I take four apples and I put them in my hand, and I take another four apples and I put them in my hand, what do I end up with? And I said, uh, well, if you got the apples from up our place, there's a fighting chance you'll get Dutch elm disease. She said, no, all right, well, say I don't get them from there. Say I go down to Brown's place in Mosgiel and take them from there. Uh, and I go in and I take four apples. Then I take another four apples. What have I got? And I said, uh, well, me and Bruce Bayless tried that last Labor weekend and he got three weeks, a $200 fine, and a shotgun blast up the freckle. <laughs> she said, no, you get eight. <clears throat> I said, yeah, you can get that too if you're not quick on your feet. Undoubtedly, the highlight, though, of going to school was running across Bruce Bayless. I remember the day it happened. Uh, I was writing an essay on what it was like to be a penny. Uh, I don't know whether you remember these days, but when they uh, had nothing better to do or they had a hangover or something, they used to sit you writing an essay on what it was like to be a penny. Uh, I wasn't too good at these things. I was uh, having a fair job getting to grips with the business of not being a penny. There was one kid in our class, though, uh, Nigel, someone or other. Uh, hyphenated name, very good family. Uh, he was quite good at these essays. Actually, I think he might have had a bit of the penny in him. I know for a fact his old man was a three-bob bit. <laughs> anyway, he was writing this essay and he got a bit crook. Nobody was terribly surprised because this kid got crook every day of the week. It was a school milk that did it. This was in the days, of course, when there was such a thing as school milk. This was before the politicians decided that kids didn't like school milk. And if they did like it, they didn't want it. And if they both liked it and wanted it, then they bloody well weren't going to get it. <laughs> And what they used to do was they used to stack the school milk out in the sun for a couple of hours to curdle nicely for the children. <laughs> with a little green head on it about so high. And generally after school milk there'd be a few fairly pale faces about the place. And now and again we'd have to have a visit from the sawdust man. <laughs> Remember him, do you? Uh, that was when uh, some little kid up the back of the class had let fly with a yellow fountain. <laughs> And this little Nigel was a big fan for the fountain, so nobody was terribly surprised when he got crook. Except that he came out all over his body in little tiny red spots. Little tiny red spots about the size of an MP's brain. <laughs> and they took him off to the sick bay. I didn't actually know what a sick bay was. I thought perhaps it was a harbour that wasn't feeling a hundred. Apparently it was a place where you went when you got the crookies. They took him off down there. <clears throat> Matter of fact, we all thought he'd died. Leprosy, we reckoned. Turned out to be a heat rash. Halfway through the arvo, he came back. The point being that when he got back, all the essays had been taken in. He didn't have to do one. I thought to myself, now that's not a bad idea. <clears throat> so the next time these essays were mentioned, I fell over and did a commendable impression of a dead schoolboy. They took me off to the sick bay, checked me over for a couple of hundred well-known diseases, uh, most of which I had. 
And then they just left me alone to throw darts at the other invalids. And I met Bruce Bayless. He was lying in the pit next to me. He said, uh, my name's Bruce Bayless. I said, g'day, what's the matter with you? He said, I've got measles. I said, oh, yeah, how long you had them? He said, oh, off and on for about two and a half years now. <laughs> and the nurse came in and she said, hello, Bruce, looks like your measles are clearing up. And he pulled out a red felt pen and gave himself a relapse. <laughs> and uh, over the next six months, uh, Bruce and I got uh, measles, chicken pox, mumps, gout, and a suspected case of rabies. <laughs> as a matter of fact, Bruce is not well. As a matter of fact, I've got to go and see him. He's uh, in hospital. He's on compo, actually. Got a suspected case of brucellosis. <laughs> no, I didn't believe him either. He's asked me to drop down and see him and bring with me uh, a felt tip pen of a black nature, a uh, copy of the Workers' Compensation Act, a hundredweight of drench and a straw. So I'll slip away for a moment. Uh, while I'm away, I won't be long, the, uh, the band will entertain you. I'd like to introduce you to the members of the band while I'm here. Hello, it's gone red. <laughs> Prime Minister won't like that. <laughs> That's better. Uh, over here we've got Pat. In the back there we've got John Rangie, the leader of the band, uh, the regular drummer. He's a very irregular drummer. The re regular drummer's out for a moment. That's Bernadette. She'll come and sing for you in a minute. We go over here we've got Mike, and over there we've got the only Maori uh, member of the group, Jimmy Lake. Uh, just before I do go, um, a rugby joke, the All Black Selectors. G'day! You're back with the Tim and Phil Morning Show, easy listening edition, where it's hits, hits, and still more hits. That was Roberta Fleck with the original version of Killing Him Softly with his song. Did you like that, Phil? I did, Tom. Sure, it's not as hip as that revisionist rejig the kids are going sick over, but still, a skilled bit of singing which hints at a singer of considerable distinction. Sorry, Phil. I think I've missed your drift. It was choice. Oh, I get it. But I do have one little quibble with Miss Fleck's lyrics. Have you? What is it with the lyrics that's given you the shits? Not so much the shits, Tim, as simple misgivings with the lyricist's opinion that to kill someone, admittedly softly, and with his song, is in any way an acceptable bit of behaviour in 1996. Full, full, full. The lyric isn't intended to be interpreted literally. The lyricist isn't insinuating that the victim is being liquidated by some killer ditty. It's a simile. A watch? A simile. A simple bit of imagery intended to instill a picture of inner huggledy puggledyness. Inner huggledy puggledyness? What's that got to do with the business of being killed softly by a song? Sorry, listeners. Tom's talking through his anal fissure. Any additional propositions of that ilk, and I'll be forced to sink the slipper. Don't get your knickers in a twist, Phil, because listen to this. It's time to pay a visit to the cinema with Tim and Phil's Films, Films, Films. Brought to you by Hills Telefox, Mitsubishi, six-cylinder engines, kitchens, 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 distributors of the kitchen whiz, whiz fizz, quick stick, quick picks, pick and mix, new instant mix grill from Findus, chicken in a minute, Mr. Minute, Minties, witchery, stitches, sizzler, shook, and buck. And today, that classic bit of New Zealand cinema... Once were warriors. Unfortunately, the film's distributors have resisted giving us permission to let you listen to a clip of the film which Tim videoed with a hidden mini cam at the Village Six in New Plymouth. So instead, Tim and Phil will give you a chilling reenactment of one of the film's more uninhabited interludes. So here it is Tim and Phil in Once Were Warriors. Hey, bitch! 
bring me my dinner, give me a tunny, give the kids the flick, and let's get pissed. Sounds choice. And don't give me any lip, or I'll hit you on the chin with my big fist. Well, that doesn't sound very choice. I'm pissing off. You butch. You'll be back. You'll be back. Brilliant, Tom. Magnificent. A definitive tour de choice. And next on Films, 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 Mission Impossible, Flipper, Twister, and Kingpin. But right now, more music with Jimmy Clough. Send a dark woman my way With cool things in her hair Warm smell senoritas Rising up through the air On my head there were blisters And they were shimmering light This girl was heavy but her sight was dim I thought that she'd do alright Dishes stood in the doorway Top shelf, cause by 11 o'clock this could be hell. Then she slapped on her jandals and she towed me away. Boys were yelling from my Commodore, thought I heard them say, Don't go with the big girl in the corner with the ugly face and the cuddly waist. Is there any more? That is Big Girl in the Corner from Gish, who I will admit I'd never heard of before researching tonight's New Zealand comedy show, but uh, that's how you unearth things like that. Um, Before that, some more Martin Malloy, uh, Tony Martin as Tum and Phil, with Huts, Huts and Still More Huts, and of course, John Clark as Fred Dagg, talking memoirs, our uh, sketch that we went back in time to uh, find with our stand-up gag pod thingity. Uh, We'll take a quick break. We'll be back with more New Zealand comedy right after the break with Ursula Carlson, Flight of the Concords, and Reese Darby. It was great to be back in Australia. I I was actually violently attacked end of the year last year. Um, I was doing a gig in Melbourne, and um, as I was standing on stage, a massive spider (laughs) fell from the curtain and it landed on my shoulder. And it was so big, it actually hurt my shoulder in the fall. 
And I looked at it and we made eyes contact. And I screamed like a little boy. And the entire audience just looked at me. <laughs> Basically saying, harden up. I couldn't, because your relationship with spiders and shit is not healthy, you know that. You know that. Like I realise I've become soft living in New Zealand, right? Because in South Africa, where I'm from, everything can kill you and actively tries on a daily basis. You've got spiders, snakes, scorpions, other people. Everything wants to f*** you up. That's why people will say to you, South Africans are so aggressive, man. We're not. We're just ready. We can't be, you know, Kiwis and Aussies, you're laid-back people. We can't just sit at home oiling our beards. And all of a sudden, there's a lion in the lounge. Now you have to go from down here and get super aggressive to protect your family. Nah, we're here. We're half <laughs> off all the time. So we're ready. So you know, I know when I come over to Australia, I know I've gone soft because in New Zealand, nothing can kill you. Nothing. The cops aren't even armed. They don't have guns, they don't have pepper spray, they don't have tasers, they're just armed with really good manners. If a New Zealand police officer wants to stop you, this is how they do it. Hey, Barry, because everyone knows everyone. Hey, Barry, can you stop, please? Come now, Barry. Please? Say hi to your mum. In South Africa, the approach is different. They shoot you in half and then they investigate your suicide. Yeah. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. All right. Yep. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yep. Now that sounds good. Okay. Yeah, well, I'll call you on Tuesday. All right, okay, love you. They call me the rhinoceros, not because I'm fat, not because I got birds on my back, but because I'm horny, I'm horny. When I'm on the mic, I'm not giving a warning, you can't ignore me. In the bedroom, I'm the gentleman, the ladies come before me. Check the yellow pages, I'm a registered rhinoecologist, now I'm passing over the mic to the hippopotamus. They call me the hippopotamus, my lyrics are bottomless. Sometimes my rhymes are obscene Describing a smutty pornographic scene that's R18 They're so filthy I feel guilty I have to rinse my mouth out with Listerine Like when I rap about those b****s mothered in margarine Ha 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 I don't know You yeah. They call me the hip hop apotamus Cause I got lyrics flowing and bug glowing like phosphorus Popping off of the top of this esophagus It's not because I'm a water dwelling mammal from Africa That's moved to the metropolis and be taught how to break dance Where did you get that preposterous hypothesis? Did Steve tell you that? Somehow the rappers dismay Say my rhymes are sissy What? Why? Why? Be more specific when you're criticizing my friend what? Cause I rap about reality. reality Like me and my grandma having a cup of tea There ain't no party like my nana's tea party Hi, ho Freestyle, hip hop apotamus I'm 
freestyling Hip hop apotomous doll I'm just freestyling It's just coming off my dome I got mad words popping and glopping and popping and slopping Or just whatever comes into my head I'm not even even pre-written this I'm just freestyling It's just like I went to the doctor and I got a rash My rhymes are so potent that in this small segment I made all of the ladies there at table four pregnant. Yeah, that's right, sometimes my lyrics are sexist, but you lovely bitches and hoes should know I'm trying to correct this. I got the fuzz trying to get me doing time for committing the perfect rhyme. My face is on rhyme watching all that They're accusing me of attempted rap. Help, help me, rhinoceros, he's rapping me. Folk music. When I say ooh, you say ah, oh, oh. When I say ooh, you say la la, oh, oh. Okay, all the ladies go ooh. Okay, all the ladies go ooh. Fly to the Concords, you're so big. Fly to the Concords, you're so big. Well, thanks very much. Thanks, you're the Concords. We all have bad days, even, even me, believe it or not. I've been doing stand-up for quite a while and I often uh, have a gig that doesn't go very well. I'm going to tell you a story about my worst one and it's quite weird. It's full-on. I, I did a gig on a 747 jumbo jet two months after 9-11. This is a true story. It's in New Zealand. Uh, two months before 9-11, I got the phone call. There was a new airline called Freedom Air. Very budget to the point when, when you get on the plane, you show your ticket and they go, oh yes, oh, pilot for you. <laughs> Very budget. They did their first international flight from Auckland to Brisbane, Australia, and they wanted to have entertainment because it was a three-hour flight. So they called me up and they said, could you do some comedy on the plane? I thought it was a bit weird, but uh... <laughs> then he spoke about the $200. the right guy. <laughs> then 9-11 happened and I thought, well, it's not going to happen now. But typical New Zealand, a month later I got the phone call, you still on for the gig? $200. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is what happened. It went very badly. Basically the flight left at 8.30am. I don't know how many comedy shows you've been to, but... <laughs> Let's have a look at the plane, the cockpit up this end. Down here, you've got uh, the, the rest of the passengers. And up here, you've got a little, little alleyway like that. This side, the toilets. This side is where the chick who hands out the water sits. I'm sitting down there. I've got a window seat. I'm with the other passengers. The plane takes off. We get to 35,000 feet. And then the, the chick over here comes through to the gap and goes, OK, like this to me, to signal that it's my turn to perform. So I get out. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I walk up the thing. This is two months after 9-11. Remember back then, this went for two years. Anyone that moved on a plane, everyone, what the fuck are you doing? Where are you going? Watching you, watching you. So I got that. I sensed everyone looking at me and, oh, you better be going to the toilet, mate. But I came up here and I went through the gap and I didn't go to the toilet. I went around this side. He hasn't gone to the toilet. What's he, what's he doing? The thing is, no one on the plane were told that they were going to have an entertainer. I said, all right, okay, ready? And she goes, yep, use this. And she pulls the thing off, and it's the telephone that she uses to do the safety, safety. That's my mic. And I pull it as far as I can. And I reappear like that with the telephone. And everyone's like, 
knew what he looked doing. He looked suspicious. Good morning. Got a comedy for you now. And of course, I'm a physical comedian. I need room to move, you know? I've got nothing. All I do is I try and do... Imagine a robot coming round the corner. Imagine that. Oh, robot coming round the corner there. Futuristic. We're going to get killed by a mental. He's a mental. No one had heard of me. So I died on my ass. I was supposed to do 20 minutes. I did 10. I, I ran out of, you know, physical stuff to do. So I started to improvise about the plane. Well, what about those curtains, eh? Imagine, who made those from the 70s? <laughs> Clouds are funny, eh? What are they about? I mean, come on. Good night. The chick with the water went, oh, pretty good, pretty good. Must be difficult. When you die on stage as a comic, you've got the great thing in the back of your head that you can go backstage, jump out the window and get a cab home. What you never do is join the audience. I had no choice. So then I reappeared in the gap. And I walked the walk of shame past everyone. And I got the comments, you're an asshole, mate. What are you thinking? Rachel's nearly had a hernia. Oh, I hate him, I hate him! Got back to my seat. Excuse me, excuse me. Guy sitting next to me, reading the paper. What did you do that for? They honestly thought I was just some dick. They thought it would be a funny laugh to get up, walk up here, grab that, and go, hey, imagine if a robot, I mean... Worst gig ever. Hope you are enjoying the New Zealand theme comedy there and having a better time than Reese Darby and his worst gig ever. That would be absolutely horrendous to do that. Fly the Concords in before that with Rhinoceros and Hip Hopopotamus and Ursula Carlson talking about the difference between uh, New Zealand and African police, of which you would know both very well, having <laughs> been. Born in Africa and uh, growing up in New Zealand. Coming up, some more New Zealand-themed comedy, so don't go anywhere. Thank you. Uh, this, this should go well. I, I think this should go well. Uh, I, I've certainly I've deployed every technique in my comedy arsenal to sort of try and guarantee success. Uh, I'm quite unique in that regard, actually. One of the techniques I use before doing a show is often I'll try and get myself into a funny mood. Uh, I guess it's just another thing that sets me apart from the other comics of the world. Uh, you know, the technique, sometimes it'll be something as simple as thinking a, a funny thought. Uh, sometimes I'll even say, say a funny thing out loud. Uh, for instance, I'm staying in an apartment uh, not, not far from where the studio is here, and on the way to the show this evening, I was coming down the, the lift, and when I got to the ground floor, you know, another guy was coming into the... You've, you've been in them. And, uh, and I was coming out, you know, and this guy's coming in. And, I, and I'm an interloper in this building, bear in mind. And this man, presumably a permanent resident. And as I'm exiting, I notice this man is carrying nothing but a jumbo 18-pack of triple-ply toilet paper. And so I think, oh, what's this? An opportunity for comedy? Uh, and so I said to this man, I said, uh, oh, yes, hmm. Off to take some monster shit. Uh, 
It, it did not play well in the lift. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's good to be here. It is. It is. It's, it's good. To, and by here, I, I specifically mean indoors. I. Uh, I love it indoors. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you can tell this by looking at me, but I'm what they call built for the indoors. Yes. Uh, truly, oh, I truly love it. I tell you, doesn't like it indoors so much actually. Is uh, is birds. <laughs> I've never, you know, I've never met a single bird who looked relaxed indoors. I've, I've never walked into a room and seen a bird in there and thought, oh, yeah, no, that's that's good actually, that's perfect. You yeah, know, this this should be very relaxing for both of us. No, here's, and then it's just, it's bedlam. You know, they bounce around all the walls like that old DVD logo. It's a terrifying prospect. No, I don't. It's not. For, look, I, I, I'm someone who I had no practical value in any given situation. I have essentially made it this far in my life by being good for morale. You know, it's, uh, it's lucky I found comedy. Before I did comedy for five years, I promoted cheese and supermarkets, which is it's too long for that particular line of industry. Uh, but I got, it was Gouda was my specialty. I'd say, now, this is a, a hard cheese, but a fair cheese. And people, people love that. It'd fly off the shelf. They'll pay whatever, they, they'll pay whatever for it. They're any, you know, the, the, whole, the whole value of food, it's all in flux. It's gone out the window. I went out for breakfast this morning to enjoy the local Australian cafe culture. I paid $24 for one soft-boiled egg, you know, and, and various accoutrements. But uh, it, uh, that's, we've got cafes in New Zealand. That's not entirely beyond the pale. But what they, they really tried to sting me is after I had the, the egg, I was thinking a sweet treat would really kick off the afternoon. What I crave is a sweet treat. And so as I was approaching the till to settle the bill, they had a glass cabinet, you know, contained in which various different baked goods, some savoury, <laughs> uh, no thank you, I've just had an egg, uh, <laughs> and some sweet... Yes, please. And, uh, but the gall of this cafe, which shall remain nameless, this cafe, for the princely sum of $7.50, we're trying to peddle something called an orange peel brownie. <laughs> for se- an orange peel brownie for $7.50. What, like, I don't know that the peel is comfortably the worst part of the orange. So what, I'm going to pay you $7.50 to go out the back and have all the fun with the juice and the flesh. Yeah, right? is that- Thank you very much, everybody. I've been going on going I've been hanging out with my family recently. Um, anyone got a family? <laughs> About 10% of you. Oh, no. Uh, um, I, I was hanging out with my mum, right, and we're in the car, and uh, we're on the, our way to the beach, and she got a phone call from someone who'd bought a wardrobe off her online, right? She'd never spoken to this guy in her life, but I can't get over the first sentence he decided to open with when speaking to my mum, right? She answered the phone on speaker. She said, hello, Lynette speaking. This guy said, hi, Lynette. Sorry to be a pain in the asshole here. <laughs> but I can't pick up the wardrobe today. <laughs> pain in the asshole. You know? <laughs> it's so specific. <laughs> pain in the ass. You can sort of casually say that to someone. Pain in the asshole. You're really narrowing down the coordinates. Being a real hemorrhoid of a man, you know. He's not even just talking about an asshole. He's talking about my mother's asshole. <laughs> Shocked, right? But then that day got even weirder because we were on our way to the beach, right? And we arrived at the beach and I was tasked with finding like a nice spot for us to sit down on, right? I found a nice spot, sat down and immediately a bird shat on my back. <laughs> and people say a bird shitting on you is, is good luck. Um, but I do not believe that because mum parked the car, came over... And I just pointed at it, thought it was quite funny. She started rubbing it in. (laughs) Thinking it was sunscreen. Um, 
And I weirdly just like let her do it as well. I was like, wow, pain in the asshole. <laughs> but I didn't get sunburnt, so life hack. <laughs> that is Melanie Bracewell on LOL Radio, our New Zealand special, talking about uh, being at the beach with mum. And Guy Montgomery's How to Be a Comedian in before that. Uh, don't know how that Sea Monkeys sheep song snuck into the playlist tonight. Definitely wasn't me. Um, we've got more New Zealand comedy coming your way after the break with Chris Parker. Another Tim and Phil sketch coming up from Tony Martin. And some Ray O'Leary as well. How are you all going? Oh, God, look at us all pretending like we're happy to be out. <laughs> we would all rather be at home on the internet right now, right? Go on, I lo- who loves the internet? Yeah, we love it. We are all addicted to porn, the internet, right? Don't know about you guys, I kind of miss the old internet. Do you remember the old, like, vintage internet, the internet we grew up with? Remember that, guys? You had the one family computer that everyone shared. Remember that? You know, nowadays you've got your iPhone and your, your MacBook, like, everyone's connected. But back in the day, right, you had to book your 15 minutes and, you know, you'd be like, I'm in the home office. No one come in. Remember that? You know, nowadays there's, like, infinity websites to choose from. But back in the day there was, like, two websites, right? There was Google, and say it with me, hunkymen.net, right? <laughs> Remember that? You type it in, furiously checking behind you, being like, I'm in the office, do not come in! <laughs> and no one pick up the phone! <laughs> Remember that? And, uh, and then at school, you're talking to your friends about what you got up to last night, and one of your friends brings up the internet history for the first time, and you're like, What? <laughs> It's like the internet history, you know, that big long list of every website that you've ever been to, just compiled for anyone to read. No, 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 I hear you. <laughs> sorry, the room's spinning. <laughs> Are you going deaf in one ear? Um, sorry, I want to know how long has this been around for? He's like, well, as long as you've ever had the internet, there's been the internet history, you know, compiling the name of the thing that you're searching for. For anyone to read, I understand. John, what I want to know is how come none of you bastards told me about this? Do you know the sort of shit I'm looking at, John? And then 20 years later, you come out to your parents. Remember that? Remember how we all had to do that? And you're like, Mum, Dad, I'm gay. And they're like, yeah, we know. We've seen the internet history. G'day. You're back with the Tim and Phil Morning Show. That was Alanis Morissette from her hit album, Jagged Little Pole. Did you like that, Phil? No, Tom. I think it stink. Stunk? But it's this week's Tim and Phil hit pick. Hit pick? That's wishful thinking. I wouldn't pick it as a hit in a pink fit. So, Phil, in your opinion, Jagged Little Pull is a bitter pull. It is a bitter pull, Tom. Sure, the critics think it's a winner, but I'd give it a miss. And speaking of giving things a miss, Phil, we've had to cancel this week's patented Tim and Phil wiki phone call. Due to last-minute indecision from our timid potential sponsors, Dick Smith's, Dick Smith's, where this week the Itty Bitty Booklight is a ridiculous and indeed Itty Bitty 1556. Get in quick, but let's not whimper over spilt milk, Phil, because we're off to the cinema with Tim and Phil's Films, Films, Films. And who's this week's visiting critic on Films, 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 Phil? Tim, he's witty, he's pithy, he's scintillating and he's brilliant. 
He slips in and out of cinemas like a brisk wind, and he's popped into films, films, films to impress us with his wit and wisdom. Wimps beware, he's the bitchiest critic in the business. It's the impish figure of Milton McGilchrist. Hello, Phil. Hello, Milton. Hello, Tom. Hello, Milton. Welcome to Films, Films, Films. Thank you. It sure shuts all over Dick's flicks with Richard Wilkins. Oh, look out, Phil. He's already distributing zingers. So, Milton, what did you think of Schindler's List? Horrific. Horrific? Horrific, but terrific. What about Brad Pitt in Interview with the Vampire? Stilted. Disclosure? Skin flick. What about The Bridges of Medicine County? (sighs) Clint, Clint, Clint. Too many films like Bridges, and people will think you're a wimp. What's happened to the Clint of Unforgiven? The Clint of Fistful of Dollars? The Clint of Sudden Impact? Play Misty for me in High Plains Drifter. What next? Wind in the Willows? Get back to thrills, spills, and killing villains. Sure, you're searching for a vehicle to reinvigorate your image, but Clint, this isn't it. In the words of the Chili Peppers, Give it away, give it away, give it away now. Sorry to cut you off mid-soliloquy, Milton, but that's all the films, films, films we've got time for. Thanks for coming in. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Phil. And don't forget, Milton's new video, From the Sting to the Thing, 10 Classic Years of American Cinema, is out now through Village. And now, more music. Here's your rhythmics with Sweet Dreams Are Made of This. I saw a post uh, from a New Zealand celebrity on Facebook the other day Uh, And I was so shocked with how vulnerable she was willing to be that I thought I'd share it with you all. Uh, It goes, There have been many life chapters where I thought I had good people around me, but I was not in a healthy situation. A year ago, I started to think about how I felt after being around someone. Did I feel uplifted? Inspired? Happy? I'm happy to say that I'm now in a life chapter where I appreciate my closest friends and family for their willingness to be there for the wins, but equally be there for the setbacks. That's why I've teamed up with Baraka. (laughs) Now... For those who don't know what Barocca is, uh, it's like a vitamin C tablet you drop in a glass of water and it fizzes orange. Uh, It's like a disappointing Fanta. (laughs) Uh, And her post makes it sound like this vitamin C tablet can be used to cure mental illness. Uh, Now my mum's a counsellor and I don't think she realises she could be replaced with an orange. <laughs> uh, obviously, that's a joke. And you know, I think if you're having mental health struggles, uh, you should go see a psychiatrist. Uh, so that way you can ask your doctor if Barocca is right for you. <laughs> if there's a hole in your heart, I pray that it's large enough to drop a Barocca into. <laughs> Uh, but this post, you know, it's completely changed my life. You know, like, Barocca is how I maintain uh, this level of energy. <laughs> and, and these health supplements, you know, they have such amazing before and after pictures. And, you know, this one was no different. You know, the after picture, you know, the person, they had lost weight. They had better posture, their teeth were straightened, they were a different race. 
Uh, so, just. Um, I once dropped a barocca in an up and go. And I didn't sleep for three days. I didn't even drink it, just looking at it. Just being in a five kilometer radius. Um, apparently, Barocca has the vitamin C of seven oranges. Phew. Because I can't tell you how many times I've sat down to a plate of seven oranges and thought there has got to be a better way. I had to do the halftime snack for my little brother's soccer game uh, and they were not impressed <laughs> with my meal of one Barocca cut into 14 pieces. As part of our New Zealand comedy special, that there was Ray O'Leary. Talking Barocca. <laughs> we had another Tum and Phil sketch from uh, Tony Martin. That was Spilt Milk. And Chris Parker, lamenting the invention of internet history. We are almost out of time. We've got one last tune to share with you. Funnily enough, it comes from Flight of the Concords. So uh, please stick around. We'll be back after this break. Hello, I'm Guy Montgomery, and you're listening to LOL Radio on OCR FM. Good on you. You are indeed listening to LOL Radio here on OCRFM, and we've come to our final track of the show as part of our New Zealand comedy special. The fact being that I'm not actually here tonight. I'm in New Zealand at this point in time as part of a scout jamboree. So uh, I do hope you've enjoyed all the uh, New Zealand comedy that we've featured on the show. And we'll pop a copy of the playlist up as per normal on the LOL Radio Facebook page. Uh, stick around because the Cat Countdown is coming your way with Australia back in earlier. But to finish off, we're going to take one last trip around the island of New Zealand. Thanks to Flight of the Concords with the Bus Driver's Song. G'day. My name's Tony. On behalf of myself and the coach line, I'd like to thank you for choosing to drive with us today. Um, I'm a local, hope I can impart some of my local knowledge If you've got any questions, don't hesitate, just to sing out um, Those who are interested, there's the old bridge swaying away Replaced by the new bridge in 1972 Funny thing, the old bridge used to be called the new bridge Yeah, a bit of a funny thing um, Up ahead there's the Bronzer Bluey, your local sheepdog Who became a member of Regional Council It's a bloody great day for dogs Not just here, but everywhere in the North Island Town's oldest street, that's the Museum of Meat. There's the town's largest industry, that's the uh, sock factory, hence the giant sock. The town hall, note the mosaic wall. Well, there are 5,600 tiles on that wall. I know, I counted them all. A local school, a local swimming pool. Which was opened by the Governor-General back in 1952 Where I was caught with a friend, they shall ever sniff and track a few We thought we were pretty cool, breaking them change and chair rules But do you see up there, 
the banner hanging in the air, the Presbyterian fair. Well, I never go, there's too many Presbyterians there. But if you're interested, the fair's in the third weekend of August every year. But don't bother entering the raffle, it's always won by some kid of the mayor. Well, do you hear that sound? The town clock heard from anywhere in town. Until 1960, it was a little place in Norway. We bought it for a hundred pounds. Rumor has it they sold it cheap because the charms were too loud. But every time I hear that sound, it makes me so proud. I look to your left, what a beautiful sight. It's Paula, Paula Thompson. Need Paula right to look at her hair. It's still gorgeous even now Flowing like the Wamahunga River Which incidentally is to your right And is the largest in the area In terms of volume Everybody look at Paula Look at Paula Thompson I always thought I'd marry Paula But some things just don't work out that way well, that's the most important thing you'll learn on the tour today. That and the fact that there'll be a toilet break at the information center near the man-made lake. Uh, yeah, just ask you one favor. If you do see, uh, see Paula in town later on, that you don't mention the details of the tour. I'd appreciate that. Um, same goes for my wife, uh, Gloria. She, you'll recognise her, she looks a hell of a lot like Paula actually um, She often gets mistaken for Paula, but um, no, well, she's not Paula, that's for sure no. No. Paula Thompson born in 54 To a family of four To the family next door Take me back next door Paula Thompson leave Paula right That's her own house on the If this old coach could go back in time I tried to 